This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I was just devastated, and I think hitting that rock bottom is what needed to happen to, like, overcome it. I just didn't want to live that way anymore. Eat whatever brownie you want. Right. Like, eat that because it makes you feel better than the other one, or eat the other one because right. it tastes better. Totally. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to our community. It's me in studio. So if you're watching on video, it's going to look a lot more professional, this intro today. I usually do audio only at home, but we're here and I'm uploading this in two days. So I was like, perfect. We can do an intro right before because I like for it to be like timely week of. So let's start with what's in alignment and out of alignment for us this week. If you are new and here because you know and love Jordana, then welcome. Every week we do what's in and out of alignment for me this week, and you guys reflect on your weeks as well, and then we'll breathe it in and out and get into the episode. So in alignment this week, I would say, is I got into the Brooklyn Half Marathon, which is in May, and I was really excited, wanted to get into the United Half because it's like the only time that they shut down Times Square. You run from Brooklyn through Times Square. It's just like kind of iconic, but whatever. A lot of people don't get in because it's the most popular one. But I did get into the Brooklyn one, and a lot of the girls from my run club are also running it, which will be super fun because we can be training for the same thing for the first time ever. And it's funny because when we all joined, I literally started this run club because I made a TikTok saying, I want to be a part of a run club, but I can't run. Like, what do I do? And so many people are like, please start one where like we could just do the couch to 5K together. So we did. And then all of us caught the bug together. We did the couch to 5K. We ended up running like one mile, then two miles, a bunch of us. I had signed up for a half marathon, which was like crazy at the time. And now so many of us are doing half marathons, full marathons, 5Ks, 10Ks. A lot of us still just doing it for fun. And we're still keeping it like easy. They're recovery runs. We're not turning into like, you know, an extreme run club. It's still just like a fun thing for community. But it is cool that a bunch of us are going to be training for the same thing. And we're going to go join the Endorphins Run Clubs, and Vicky, obviously she was on last week from Endorphins, has me trying out their training, like the Endorphins training plan, the 365 training plan. There's a half marathon one. So I'm excited to just get back into training again. It gave me a lot of structure. It's fun to have something to work towards. Otherwise, I kind of just like flow intuitively with fitness, but it's fun having a routine, a structure, a goal like in the fitness space. and. I'm just excited about it and I'm excited to do it differently this time. I think the first time it was like, I just want to show myself I can run the half. 
And now it's like, oh, I'm going to incorporate strength training and go try out these run clubs like Endorphins where I do like long runs with people on Saturdays and just like step it up a little bit, but also just kind of do it in a different way. So I'm excited about that. We'll see if I do a full marathon. We'll see how this goes. I am debating doing the New York City Marathon while I'm at it, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> so we'll see what happens with that. But I am just excited to be running it with our run club and just a little announcement the dare to self-care run club again it's very casual but it's going to be we have a new schedule stepping it up on the organization front do you, go to my instagram highlights jen underscore lauren with two n's and you will find the link to join our group chat if you are interested and you've been just joining the chat where you can find all these details but starting next week which is the week that you're listening to this we are going to be doing our night runs on monday nights at 6 30 p.m we're starting the first week with two miles, 6.30 p.m. I will not be attending that. I work till 7. Um, but I have Brianna and a few other girls from Run Club running that run, making sure it's organized. Wednesday morning, 7.30 a.m., we're going to do three miles. So come to one of those if you want. We're meeting across from Little Island on the West Side Highway benches across from Little Island. You'll see a bunch of us. You'll write in the Instagram group if you can't find us. It'll be easy, I promise. But I do just want to say through all of the running episodes and running content that I've been doing, so many of you have said that like, you are so inspired to run now and now you signed up for a half and it's just so fun, you know, on that run club note and now this, like there's so many of us that just felt alone and like, ah, I kind of want to run one day, but like everyone I know who runs has run marathons or grew up as a, you know, athlete growing up and like I literally never ran more than a mile until at this point, like, is it a year ago yet? It's not even a year ago. So you can do it. We could all do it together. So join the group chat, even if you're not in New York and you just want people to chat. If you are also like maybe running that half marathon, but you don't live here, like join the group chat. Okay. Out of alignment this week, I would say, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to keep this pretty vague for obvious reasons, but I'm just going to be honest about what's out of alignment. My work anxiety has been up to here. I am drowning. It's not just full-time work, just in general. Like I have a lot of side things going on. I have been anxious just about balancing everything at work with my own stuff. It really has nothing to do with my company or my job or anything like that. I've just had a lot of anxiety about working from home with a lack of like camaraderie. I am like just dying for an office to open here soon. I need... As an editor, it would be nice to, like, have a few other things to do, set up a podcast recording, just to, like, break up the day, talk to some people in person, work with the talent coming in. I think I'm almost – I'm nearing, like, not a year and a half, but just over a year of being here and working from home is just getting to me a little bit. So I'm trying to – my goal this year is to work on, like, getting out of the apartment more even going to Ethan's WeWork because even just having him to talk to, like to go for a walk and a lunch break is helpful for me. So that's just something that's really been giving me some anxiety this week. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it gets to you more than others. Maybe because it's just been freezing out. I've felt more trapped at home than ever because I don't really want to go work from anywhere else when it's freezing. Um, so that's been my anxiety of the week. But let's breathe in what's in alignment for us this week and breathe out what's out of alignment for us this week. Hey, our guest of this week, I cannot believe it's her first time on the podcast. Her name is Jordana of The Daily Schwitz. You might know her from TikTok, Instagram, all the things, but she is 
literally a sweetheart and we've been getting coffee we've been internet friends for a while we used to go to when I was like not in a full-time job and more of a content creator part-time freelance girly we were at a lot of the same events I don't really get to go to the events anymore because they're usually at like 11 a.m on a Wednesday um but we were always invited to similar events and we became friends through that and I just think she is such a sweetheart and she's so vulnerable in sharing about something that I need to give a trigger warning about. We do talk about binge eating disorder, purging, eating disorders in general. So if that's something that you don't enjoy hearing about, you can like skip through those parts or just forego this episode entirely and we'll see you next week. Protect your peace, protect your mental health. But we do talk about her eating disorder recovery. We also talk about content creation, being vulnerable online, when to know when you're being vulnerable just for the hell of it or when you really want to share your message authentically and how you can do that best. But a lot of it is about her story and her healing journey and her recovery with binge eating disorder so, and orthorexia. So if any of that is a trigger for you, we'll see you next week. But I love you dearly. And please post this episode on your stories. If you think it would be helpful for anyone, send it to a friend that you think might enjoy it. I think that this episode is one that will really resonate with a lot of people. So I would love for it to reach anyone who needs to hear it or might feel comforted by it. And let's get into the episode with Jordana. Hey. Hi. I feel like I can't believe that this is your first time on the podcast. No, this is very long overdue. I literally remember, remember when we met at Lit and Lean? Was that where we it met? It was like a rooftop. I think we met at Pival first, very Maybe. briefly. Maybe, but like briefly discussed. Oh, yes, we did know each other beforehand. Mm-hmm. But we briefly discussed going on the pod then, and that's when I introduced you to Carolina. Yeah, that I remember. And it's been like two years <laughs> since <laughs> that moment, and we were like, yeah, we have to do the podcast. Like, and I feel like we've tried scheduling it, too. Yes. It wasn't just like, oh, you have to come on the podcast, and we never spoke about yeah. it again. It's like, it just never happened. Well, life gets crazy, but I'm so glad that we finally... We're able to like put a date in the calendar, sit down. This is long overdue. You also had your cookie time, coffee cookie time podcast for a minute. For a hot minute. And then I kind of took a step back and was like, you know what? I was not meant to host. I'm not, it didn't come naturally to me. And I just figured there are so many other like amazing podcasts out there. I didn't really need to be cluttering the space with one that did not feel impactful. Yeah. If it doesn't feel right, it's like on to the next. But I like to try things. Yeah. I, I was happy to try it and realize it wasn't for me. And now I get to be a guest on your podcast. I know. It's, other it podcasts. honestly is really fun being a yeah. guest. I love it. You just get to sit back. Yeah. <laughs> sit back, relax, <laughs> spill all the tea. 100%. Like, and then, you know, 100%. Get to listen back to it. Okay. Something we both have in common, though, that I wanted to talk about is people pleasing. Yes. I am a recovered people pleaser. Mm hmm. I now my friends know me as like the girl with boundaries like if there's ever a topic of conversation about boundaries it's like where's Jen queen of boundaries it's a thing it wasn't even I mean it was intentional like worked on it in therapy or whatever but like I learned over time how to create boundaries more almost like intuitively rather than like hey, so-and-so, I'm drawing a line here. Here's my boundary, like, so explicitly. Definitely. And so I would consider myself kind of like a recovered people pleaser. Where are you with that? I honestly feel the same way. I think a lot of it definitely has to do with, like, maturing, getting older, living through the past experiences and, like, realizing you're just so over and you don't want to live that way anymore. Like, constantly putting everyone else's feelings and like it's almost a feeling of security people pleasing like knowing that you're not gonna rock the boat but I feel like I've really grown into myself now um to a point where like 
I feel very secure and confident with where I draw the line and I'm not afraid to push back. I'm no longer, I think a big part of it came from insecurity. Like, oh, if I push back, XYZ person will no longer love me. Or like, if I push back, like they'll no longer want to be my friend. Whereas now I'm like, if they love me, they love me for who I am. If they don't, they were never mine to begin with. Or like, if I'm going to lose a friend over this boundary, like they were clearly never that great of a friend to begin with. So I, I feel like I really have worked on that a lot and it has significantly improved my life. I Um, agree. I think it shows you, like I actually now look at it as almost an opportunity to show you who your true friends are. Absolutely. Because if I send a text to one friend that says, I'm so sorry to cancel, I'm so burnt out, like a complete honest text, no stupid excuses, I'm so burnt out, I'm so tired, whatever, to one friend and they're so totally accepting of it. Right, supportive, understanding. And another one isn't. I'm not going to try to please that friend. I'm going to recognize, oh, this friend makes me so anxious and I need to like take a step back Totally from that. But I agree, I used to kind of be like, instead of just saying, oh, I'm too tired for this, for example, it would be I came up with a whole song. A million excuses. Like, yeah, totally. Like so much anxiety about if I don't make plans with this person, they're going to think that I don't care to be their friend and it's Mm -hmm. like if they actually think that and don't notice how many things I have going on and like root me on and cheer me on from afar and then enjoy our quality time instead of being negative about it like I don't need that kind of energy in my life absolutely I will say for me majority of my people pleasing was in family and relationships like romantic relationships not necessarily friendships I don't think I struggled in that department as much with people pleasing um but like big time with my parents and like past relationships romantically but I honestly I think Jack like my current boyfriend was a big part of me feeling free to communicate what I'm genuinely feeling and not feeling like oh I have to bottle everything in and pretend everything's perfect so that way he stays happy you know like I'm not I wasn't constantly protecting him it's like I want us to be happy and we won't be happy if one of us is silently suffering out of fear that the other will get upset totally you know? so like his patience and understanding and willingness to communicate like greatly helped me in not just the relationship aspect but like overall realizing as well I also think it takes time in relationships specifically because I used to be psychotic and like thought he was gonna leave me and all of it <laughs> and now look at you when we first went to college and then over time I trusted that even through when I think I'm like my most psychotic he's still staying yeah you kind of just like let your guard down more and realize, oh, we can just talk, talk. about. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have to be sucking everything in, every tiny little thing until you all of a sudden explode and then it's this huge like yelling, crying, whatever, which is a foreign concept to me. You know? Yeah, but I remember when we got coffee, we related a lot on the don't rock the boat thing with the parents. Yeah. That is has been like a big theme in my life that I worked through in therapy. We both love our parents, obviously. (laughs) It's just when you're the youngest and there's other issues already in the family or whatever it might Mm -hmm. be, like there's already just so much shit going on. But by the time like you're an adult, it kind of, we've both, I don't want to speak for you, but felt just like, not that it was even explicit, just this need to like keep everything okay. Yeah. Like, if I just keep it together, right? like, I won't make things worse for anyone, and I'll make everything better, And but then it manifests in, like, your own anxieties. A hundred percent. I felt immense pressure, and this is 
like you said, it was not an explicit statement of like, you need to be perfect so right. everything stays fine. <laughs> like my parents are amazing yeah. people. My sisters are amazing people. Shit comes up in life. Like, and it's of no one's fault, but both of my sisters are seven and eight years older than I am. So by the time I came along, I always kind of refer to myself as like an only sibling with sisters, like with siblings, or sorry, an only child with siblings. Um, because by the time I was like old enough to, appreciate siblings they were already out of the house like by the time I was in high school they were gone so I had a lot of alone time with my parents and I referred to my parents as my best friends like zero shame in that but because we had such a close relationship it's almost like they felt okay I don't want to say like airing dirty laundry in front of me but like venting about my sisters almost like to me and it's like I'm just a 17 year old girl I can't be the family's therapist and I totally respect open communication and, like, absolutely adore my sisters. And let's be clear. My parents were not shit-talking my sisters. But, like, <laughs> if there was stress going on, I was constantly open to it. And so I felt this immense pressure to be perfect. And it didn't manifest in a way that, like, a lot of perfect children, like, manifest. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't, like, a straight-A student or anything <laughs> like that. It was more so that, like, I felt like I always had to be, like, so loving and angelic and never the hormonal moody teenager like I could never snap at my parents and they weren't even that strict or like they didn't yell or anything like that like I just wanted to be their rock like I wanted to be the safe child the child that they never had to worry about and I will say I believe it frequently is the child that the parents feel they never had to worry about that later end up going on to be like children that are really struggling because they're silently something suffering. to worry about <laughs> yeah exactly like not to put it in such explicit words yeah. but so then when it came time I know we're gonna dive deeper into this but that like I had was struggling with my eating disorder I was silent about it like I tried so hard to convince everyone around me that I was thriving that I was so happy that like everything was perfect and fine and fun and amazing Meanwhile, inside, I'm, like, miserable. But I didn't want anyone to see that because I wanted to be perfect for them. Like, I wanted to be problem-free because I felt like if there was one more problem, they would snap. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I couldn't be the reason that that happened. I had to be their perfect, angelic, loving angel child that oh. they're, like, not to be, like, oh, I'm amazing, I'm flawless, <laughs> but that they're, like, bragging about and that, like, oh, she's the best. Like, oh, we love – like, what would we do without her? And even though it sounds like such an ideal situation to have your parents be, like, praising you all the time, you feel like you constantly have to live up to this pedestal that they've put you on, this, like, gold standard. It's like, at the end of the day, you're just a kid. And you need to be allowed to mess up. And, and if you have mental health issues, and again, zero fault of my parents. Like, they weren't like, you can't mess up. It's Right. A it's an, an unspoken internal like oh shoot they love me so much I don't want to ruin it well it's also because I relate in the sense that when all the kids besides me were out of the house my sister was in rehab and every conversation 24 7 is about the sister that's in rehab right. and you see how much they're struggling so it's not anything that's they're verbally saying to you it's you love them so much and don't want them to have to deal with another right thing. exactly that's how I felt and it sounds like you kind of felt the same it was exactly the same I I don't want to air like stories that aren't mine for yep. my sisters. Um, but like there were prevalent mental health issues in my family. And when I was struggling with my mental health and my eating disorder and my body image and all of that, 
I was like, I just don't want to be another problem child. Like, I don't want them to have to deal with another kid going through this. I saw what it did to them the first time. Like, I can't put them through that again. So it feels like, though, now your relationship with both people pleasing, obviously, and food freedom and your relationship with food. Yeah has been healed for the most part where obviously none of us are perfect right how do we get from that to finally opening up about it feeling comfortable to share getting the recovery that you needed Mm -hmm. to now that's like a lot of steps but we can start with the beginning so just for anyone who like isn't familiar with me and my story and my past um I severely struggled with binge eating disorder and um binge and purge disorder um throughout I want to say it honestly started like a little bit before college, but not in like a notable sense. I like, I didn't see the signs that something unhealthy was starting. Um, but like the first two years of college majorly, and then, you know, eating disorders sort of mold and shift as you transition turned into like a little stint of orthorexia. And like, I dabbled, I dabbled in many. <laughs> I dabbled in orthorexia. <laughs> Didn't we all in college? Uh, right. So was very unhappy. My freshman and like first half of sophomore year of college, I was, Started out mostly binging, would literally just, like, black out, inhaling food. Like, I would finish the binge and be like, I don't even know what I just ate. Like, everything was in front of me, and now all of a sudden it's gone, and I feel sick to my stomach, and my stomach skin feels like it's ripping apart in pain, and then later on is when, like, the purging started, which... Was it... Sorry, were you drunk when this would happen? Was this a college drunk? Both. Okay. It would happen completely sober, and then if I was... I would honestly, like, drink more to get drunk, to excuse a binge Mm -hmm. as just like, oh, I was drunk eating with everyone else. But like for them, it was, you know, a slice of pizza. And for me, it was pizza, fries, insomnia, chips when I got home, like anything I could get my hands on, ice cream, whatever. And like, oh, it was just drunk eating. Like, no, I was binging and I was covering it up by saying drunk eating. So it was both. Um, And then when I became really uncomfortable with like how much weight I had put on due to the binging is when like the purging started. And I think the purging was definitely my lowest point. Like that was rock bottom for me. It was so devastating to know everything you know about eating disorders from witnessing it from a close like member of your family or loved one and still go through it. Like you always think, oh, it could never happen to me because I know too much. Like I'm so aware. But I was almost on like the opposite end of the spectrum of eating disorders where like instead of not eating enough, I was overdoing it. But truly the per- – and I, maybe I should have put like a trigger warning. I will in the intro. Okay, Don't worry. <laughs> a trigger warning about purging. But it was so rock bottom. Like I have vivid memories of like my head literally being in the toilet with like tears coming out of my eyes because I couldn't believe that I had sunk to that level. Like knowing how bad it was for me. Like – and also – I was obsessed with psychology. Like, I was a psych minor. I took, like, AP Psych and Psych in high school. Like, I learned everything about eating disorders. I was, like, obsessed with learning about eating disorders just because of, like, what was going on in my family. Um, So I just thought it would never happen to me. Wow. So, like, knowing everything I knew about eating disorders and then having my head in the toilet, like, I was just so disappointed in myself. Even though it's not your fault. Never your fault. Um, I was just devastated. And I think like hitting that rock bottom is what needed to happen to like overcome it. And I just didn't want to live that way anymore. Someone actually recently asked me like, how do you heal your relationship with food? Like, how do you get over being scared of food and like being scared of your body changing to like the point that you're at now? And I said, you have to want to live a life 
free of the struggle, like the internal struggle, struggle more than you want like the perfect body or more than you want like that feeling of control because for me like hitting that rock bottom I was like I don't want to live my life this way like this cannot be my story this cannot be the rest of my college experience this cannot be my future this can't be what I pass down to my kids like I don't want to do this anymore I'm miserable my stomach constantly hurts I feel uncomfortable in my body like my cheeks are swollen I, I just felt sick all the time so I think that like hitting that rock bottom was the first step to wanting to recover. And then it was, you know, obviously at the same time that I had a poor relationship with food, I had a poor relationship with exercise. I would go to the gym like almost every day, honestly, while I was binging. Um, but just like 30 minutes on the elliptical, done. I purely saw it as a means to an end. Like either I am working out to earn my binge or I'm working out to cancel my binge that like I had last night. Because every night, and I binge pretty much every night. Every night I would get in bed, I'd say, like, you're disgusting. Never do this again. Like, tomorrow, remember how much pain you're in right now. And, like, you're never going to binge again. And then, of course, the next day would come. I would restrict, restrict, restrict to, like, make up for the binge. And then binge again. It was just a vicious cycle. So I had a very bad relationship with exercise because of that. And then that summer, after my sophomore year of high school, of, <laughs> sorry, of college, <laughs> I had an internship in the city and I lived like around the corner from an equinox and the equinox had like a corporate discount for my internship where I worked and so I joined the equinox and I started going to group fitness classes and I started looking at my body as more of like an amazing thing rather than something to hate like I saw that I could be strong I saw that I could like accomplish all these things I started looking at working out as more than just a means to an end for binging like I started to become really passionate about fitness and this is where you know the orthorexia starts to come right, into right. play but that was when I like I don't want to say I started to recover I started to recover from binge from eating that. not necessarily like totally healing my relationship with food um but then the following summer I interned at Equinox and that's when I started my Instagram account the Daily Schwitz and that's when I started writing about everything I was going through like I would write these long lengthy captions about binging purging so your family knew at this point so yes and no I think that my parents knew without me saying it they definitely did not know about the purging like that was something I kept very very secret from everyone in my life until last year or the year before like I did not wow. want anyone to know about that I was so ashamed I just I knew it would break their heart if they knew and I just like couldn't put them through that kind of back yeah. to people pleasing thing but my mom actually struggled with binge eating when she was in college Did you know that I knew it without a label okay like she would talk to me about it but it was not like oh I had binge eating disorder and I don't even think she knew at the time to label it that either I don't think it was as widely discussed all of the wide range of um the spectrum of eating yeah. disorders back then but we went through the exact same thing that has bonded us like really close that like she knows what I went through and I know what she went through um so I think she knew I think even though I tried so hard to convince everyone that I was thriving I think she knew in a sense and I think my dad probably knew as well but it was never verbally communicated it was verbally communicated that like you know you put on some weight or like maybe we should try to lose that weight and 
oh, did they get a mouthful from me about that one? I tore their heads off, tore their heads off because how dare you? And instant regret on their behalf. Like they couldn't even believe they said something like biting their tongue right away. I was like, how could you not have learned your lesson by now? I was so angry with them. Like, hello, after three daughters with eating disorders, maybe you don't comment on weight. And that's not something that they ever. It's a generational thing too. Yeah. Because my sister always yells at my parents for this. And it was. Like, just don't comment at all. Right. Right. (laughs) Don't say you look good. Don't say you look bad. Like nothing. And they never said I look bad, but it was just like, oh, you have put on a few pounds, freshman 15, whatever. And that was never a thing growing up. Growing up, my mom was so body neutral and body positive. She never said anything about her body never said anything about what she was eating never said anything about what we were eating growing up like had everything in the house cookies ice cream s'mores from williams like gourmet pantry never made a comment and i'm so blessed like i truly feel like i the opposite of an almond mom like yeah never made an, <laughs> a comment of like oh i've been so bad eating this cookie today like i learned cookie coffee time from my mom Like she instilled that habit in me and like, I love it so much. So it was kind of like, I never really understood why she felt to comment. Like, it's fine. Um, we've worked past that and like together and everything's okay, but it was not verbally spoken. Sorry. This is a long roundabout way of getting it. It's not roundabout. It's exactly Um, what I wanted your story. Amazing. So then when I started my Instagram, I did not want anyone to follow it. Like I was using it as a diary. My mom knew about it, but I was not advertising it. It was technically public. You didn't want family to follow it or you didn't want anyone? I didn't want, like, anyone I knew in real life to know yeah. about it. Because I remember one day my aunt followed it, which meant my mom had told her about it. And I was like, why'd you tell her? Yeah. <laughs> like, this is so yeah. embarrassing, you know, whatever. <laughs> but then I think I got to a point where I started to realize early on, like, less than 500 followers – that people were relating to what I was saying. Like I would get messages from like girls at Syracuse found it and I'd get DMs where they were finding comfort in me sharing my experience. And I was, that was when a light bulb moment went off. Like, holy shit, I'm not alone. Like I really felt so isolated in what I was going through because listen, there's no right kind of eating disorder. Like want to make that very clear. But all my past experience with eating disorder and current, like all of the other girls I knew we're on the opposite end of the spectrum, like not eating enough on F factor, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like constantly talking about like how little they ate that day, whatever. Like eating like egg whites before going out so that they get drunk or off less alcohol, like all the toxic bullshit that we know from college. So I felt really alone in what I was going through because I thought there was truly something wrong with me that I couldn't just not eat. I was like, oh, everyone else can do it. Why am I, why can't I do that? Meanwhile, I'm getting constant dms from people being like i struggle with the exact same thing and i was like oh my god like all these girls that are saying like i don't eat like xyz i'm like they're going home and they're binging too like we're all struggling which is not something i take pride in obviously like i don't take comfort knowing that we're all struggling but yet i do like yes and no i get what you're I'm saying i'm not happy you're that not we're all struggling like i don't want any of us to struggle yes that's what i'm but yeah. no one is alone in their circumstances exactly everyone has shit going on behind closed doors no one's perfect if you're perfect good for you <laughs> <laughs> but you're probably not <laughs> if you're perfect you're gonna have a breakdown very soon yeah. so like, everyone has shit going on behind closed doors and 
realizing that I wasn't alone, that's when I started to get even more personal in my captions and stuff. And like by that point, my parents knew. Like I was very explicit in my captions. They were they were diary entries, my captions. Um, and so that's sort of like how they found out. And then once I knew that they knew, I could talk about it more openly because I was like, I ripped off the band-aid. Like the hard part was over. They read about it. And now that I knew they knew, I could talk about it without the huge weight on my chest of being like, like I've been binging. Out. Yeah. Like, like coming out. Yeah. And of course, when it's first happening, you don't – like I knew, but I didn't know. You know, like I knew something wasn't right, but it took a while to be like, okay, this is an issue. Like this is a real issue. So afterwards – well, first – okay, I have a ton of questions. Yeah. And so I, I want <laughs> to so That was a lot of I want to hear about how you got to like food freedom mm-hmm. and like limiting that noise and recovering from that. But I'm also curious where you went with, like, the psychology major. Did you realize after the fact, like, maybe this is not the field I want to be in? Or? Psychology minor. Okay. Got um, it. I was very interested in it. But I – so, honestly, I probably should have majored in psychology. I kind of, like, wish that I did. The reason that I majored – so, I don't know if you know because you went to Tulane. Mm-hmm. My – my first choice was Tulane. If I went to Tulane, I was going to major in psychology. We would have been have best friends. Because like <laughs> Tulane didn't have a communications program. Yeah, they do. So, or not like. It was in it, but it wasn't good. <laughs> it wasn't like, you know, whatever. Niche. Or like, yeah. So it was not good. At Newhouse, or like when I got into Syracuse, I got into Newhouse. Oh. And that's why I went to Syracuse. Totally. And so I was an advertising major and like, I'm not going to get into Newhouse and then Totally. Go to psychology. I didn't realize you were in your house. Thank yeah. Fun. So I was an advertising major. So that's why I did psych minor. Like I loved it. And when I was miserable in my sales job, I was like, I should go back to work, get my master's in social work and like be a therapist. Like that was my backup plan. Not my backup plan, but like I didn't know what was next for me and I knew I wasn't doing sales. So I was like, I'll just apply to NYU. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what? <laughs> um, obviously that didn't happen. Now I work in social media, but yeah, I... I am very passionate about psychology. Like, obviously, I'm out of practice. Like, I haven't studied it in a minute since I graduated, but I loved it. You're interested. Yeah, very interested. Okay, so how did we go from – it sounds like sharing about it kind of helped you heal. Yes. But was, were there more tangible things that you ended up doing or going to recover? So, honestly, the writing for me was so cathartic. Like, truly cathartic. I unfollowed – I started an entire new Instagram account, like – just to get toxic shit off my feed. Like, when I started The Daily Fits, I did not follow anyone that was not, like, strictly a body positive influencer. My old Instagram feed, like, it's kind of scary. Sometimes if I go on it, like, my old account, I will still get the pop-ups of, like, eat this, not that. Or, like, for 100 calories of chocolate, you could get 50 strawberries. Like, it all. So wiping that off my feed, huge, huge for my mental health. And people in real life. I, like, unfollowed so many people in real life. And it's harsh. It I cut them out because I needed to for myself. And the reason why I feel like it was so harsh was not only because I literally cut them out, but because they were struggling too. And, like, that's not their fault. But I couldn't hear about their struggles because it was impacting me. So at this point, it's when I was, like, orthorexic I was not officially diagnosed that way but like Mm -hmm. it was there were some strong food obsessions there so it went from I was no longer binging because then I got like obsessed with working out and like obsessed with clean ingredients and obsessed with like low calorie and like all of these niche brands you know 
the low calorie cereal. And like, I, at this point was avoiding my binge foods at like my trigger foods at all costs. Like, so you're thinking that you're kind of taking this healthier approach. I think I'm recovered. I think I am the picture of health. Everyone should look up to me because I a, I'm no longer binging and purging. B, like, lost all this weight that I'd put on. C, I'm, like, doing all these crazy workouts. Like, Did you just wake up one day, or was it the Equinox internship? How I think it was. Without, like, going for treatment. So. Not that it was not recovery that, Right, right. So when I started working out at Equinox, summer after sophomore year, I, like, started losing weight. I was, like, obsessed with the fact that I was losing weight. Okay. Like, obsessed. Like, I, because. Once you saw that reward, it right, and I I'm, I come from an extreme place of privilege in that like I do genetically have a smaller body, like naturally, and all throughout high school, middle school, everything. Like I was never quote unquote overweight or anything like that. So then when I did put on weight from the binging in college, I like lost so much self worth. Like I didn't realize that a lot of my self worth was rooted in my size, thinking like rooted in being conventionally like a smaller body. So then when I put on weight from the binging. I like fell apart. I lost so much of my identity, which like our body size has nothing to do with who we are. And I wish I could go back and shake that girl and tell her. And like, I've learned so much since then. Um, But like, that was a major downfall for me was that I had rooted a lot of my identity in my body. And I no longer feel like that attachment to my body. I kind of just like my body ebbs and flows throughout stages of my life based on what my life looks like at that time. And it's just, it has nothing to do with me. Like, it's the vessel that carries me, but I'm me separate. inside, separate. Um, but then when I was losing weight, I'm like, everyone in college only knew me at the size that I was in college up until that point. They didn't know that, like, I used to be smaller. Got it. So I get back the the summer after losing weight my junior year, and everyone's complimenting me. Everyone's asking how I did it, like, all this stuff. And in my mind, I lost weight the healthy way because I, like, I did lose the weight the healthy way. The way I guess I sustained it was, like, then twisted. But, like, I really, I was just working out and not binging. And, like, they took that as, like, she's not eating. You know, like, she must have, like, not eaten over the summer. She must be anorexic now. Like, that's how it was taken. I have vivid memories of a girl in my sorority asking, like, did you just not eat? And I was like, who says that? But also, this is why people say don't comment on people's right. weight you have at no all, idea what's positive going on. or negative, because you yeah. could be positively reinforcing. A hundred percent. You think you're giving a compliment, behavior. but like yeah. really, I'm like, oh, I've got to keep it up. And then also, I was gonna say, it's, you could be reinforcing a negative behavior, like a bad habit, but also, then when they gain a little, right, and then you're like remember. instilling the idea that like you like them better when they're smaller. Yes. And you must not think that they look good now because or they Or that were they looked smaller. good before. Like, you're basically saying, oh, like, you thought I was not cute. So it's like, just don't comment yeah, on people's bodies. Putting it out there. No Period. comment on the body. <laughs> so then I'm, like, obsessed with working out. I'm obsessed with, like, clean eating. Um, but all the while thinking this is the picture of health. Because that's what – at the time, I do think we've evolved a little bit as a yeah. society, but at the time, that's what society was depicting as healthy. And even though I'm out there at the time on Daily Schwitz saying, like, skinny doesn't equal healthy, low calorie doesn't equal healthy, like, you can eat the brownie, blah, blah, blah. The brownie I'm promoting is a brownie made with, like, almond flour, coconut oil, coconut sugar, like, which there's nothing which wrong <laughs> with those ingredients, but also, like, 
would I have baked a regular right, but brownie? Like, also, you could have a regular brownie. Exactly. And you'd be okay. Exactly. So I'm like thinking that I'm portraying such a healthy, positive message, but at the same time, like I look back now and I'm cringing that I'm like, this brownie is guilt free. All brownies are guilt free. Like there should never be guilt associated with All food. Brownies are guilt free. That is the name of this episode. Like, at- Love, love. <laughs> but at the time, I'm like, this brownie's guilt free because all clean ingredients, like wholesome, and there's no gluten or or like processed seed oil, whatever. Eat the eat whatever brownie you want. Right. Like, eat that because it makes you feel better than the other one, or eat the other one because right. it tastes better. <laughs> totally. So I'm but like, I, I will still have both. Like if I want to bake like a yummy like almond flour treat, I will. But if I want to bake the hot take cookies that are right. like with the best butter I've ever tasted. I will do Yeah, we that. need to talk about how you got there. So good. Um, so, yeah. So, I honestly, like, I can't pinpoint how. Honestly, I'm really lucky. I think a big transition happened for me during COVID, which I know the opposite happened for a lot of people. Uh-huh. But, like, during COVID, a lot of people went down the deep end the other way. But I was, like, removed from the toxic atmosphere of my sorority, like, I love the great girls my sorority. I don't want to say it's like their fault, but like no, I, get I was it. removed from all the outside noise. I'm with my parents who are like supportive, like like I said, body positive, body neutral queen, like cookie coffee time every day after lunch. And I started to realize so during the previous phase where I'm in school and like eating all these like healthified treats, like <laughs> a dark chocolate square for dessert, like <laughs> barf. Um, <laughs> I was very I had like a lot of food rules one of which being like you earn dessert at night after like a good day of eating like you'll have dessert at night reward yes which is linked back to like the binge past um but I just like had a better grip on it I guess um and then it was COVID when I realized like hey you can eat a cookie in like after lunch and you can have another cookie after dinner and like the world's not going to end. Like you can eat dessert whenever you want and you're not a bad person. You're not going to die. Like everything's going to be fine. And I think just continuously reinforcing that habit and the idea, I slowly started to break down the other food rules because it was almost like all of like once one rule lost its sense, kind of the whole idea comes crumbling down. And Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease exposure therapy it no that's what cookie coffee time was for me at first it's like continuous exposure therapy eat the cookie you'll be fine eat the cookie you'll be fine and then it became this like joyous part of my day instead of being a scary part of my day and like that's why I really attribute so much of my growth to cookie coffee time and like it was a huge part of my recovery and I still obviously incorporate it to this day, had cookie coffee time before this. It was great. <laughs> um, but yeah, just like breaking down those food rules. And again, it was not a one day I'm healed. I would say now I'm like the m- most recovered I've ever been. 
But that doesn't mean I don't still have days where I miss a smaller version of myself or wish that I had the control I used to have. Like, obviously those thoughts still creep in sometimes, but I'm now strong enough to overrule them. Like, I don't let them seep into my day-to-day and take over. I know how to combat them now. And I do – if I could go back and redo it all, I would go to therapy 100%. I, you still not in therapy? Still have not in therapy. Gone? Wow. Okay, so I went – no, it's not like – I'm not proud of that. No, honestly. I'm like, you would love it is my, I, no. is my sentiment. So I tr- I've tried. <laughs> like, I feel like it's on brand. Oh, wait, no, I have been to therapy, but – When you were younger. I went once when I was younger when, like, everything was going on with my sisters, but I was too young to know what was going on. Like, I, my parents put me in it because they obviously <laughs> wanted to avoid all this. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't happen. I was just like, why am I here? Like, yeah. in my mind, like, I didn't – I knew that my sister was sick, but I didn't know – it wasn't until so much later that my parents were like, It's also confusing. Yeah, like, it's you not don't like get it, it when you're young. Yeah. I was so young. When I was at my sales job and also, like, after my sales job also, I was dealing with a lot of anxiety. Like, really, really bad. Jack used to come over and, like, help me breathe through panic attacks. Like, dry heat. Like, couldn't catch my breath. I was crying so hard. Like, thought I was going to throw up from crying so hard. Um, searched for a therapist in the city. Um that like had experience with anxiety but also eating disorders and like I just didn't click with one and I know that maybe I should have given more of a chance but I just didn't click and like it it just I felt awkward and weird and I know that that's part of therapy is like it is hard and it feels awkward at first but then I like quit my sales job and like I felt a lot better so I didn't go back to it and then I tried again recently to find a therapist because I like expressed a fear to my mom and she was like you should be in therapy <laughs> and I was like okay find me a therapist like I'm the I'm the worst adult in the sense that like I don't want to have to find a th- like I just want a therapist to be like handed me on a silver platter that is very normal though I got lucky where my mom's therapist gave a recommendation yeah. and I clicked with her instantly and I've been with her since and like yeah. that is very lucky but I and I know I would get discouraged if I tried one or two and neither yeah. clicked. I would give up as well. Yeah. Unless I was desperate. And I have friends who are just like, I tried and it just yeah. like, didn't click. And I, Like, I want to be in therapy. Right. Like. I think that's great, though, to not stick with someone and pay someone who you don't click with. Yeah. And I also think it's okay to, like, try to. If it doesn't work, give yourself a break. Because it is a lot to try yeah. to be vulnerable with someone that you're not comfortable with. And then, like, it's defeating. So, totally. like, it's okay to keep taking breaks as long as you kind of, like, okay, let's try this again. Or I always, like, I would give you mine. Like, I think it's great to get recs from other people yeah. who, like, don't share a therapist with a best friend right, or anything. Right. But, like, I think friend of a friend knowing, like, oh, if I click with her, you would too kind right, of thing right. is helpful rather yeah. than, like, let's go on ZocTalk Psychology today. I don't even remember the platform that I used to try and find one. But the recommendations were just, like, not it. Okay, but I have a few. Okay. Because I have mine, and then she had recommended a few for yeah, my friend. Yeah, please share friend, them. And share me them and my friend class. are similar to you, so I will give them to you. Amazing. Thank you. <laughs> You're so, welcome. So, yeah, if I could go back and do it all over again, like, before I started the Daily Schwitz and, you know, come out to my parents with the problem I was having and, like, go. I did see a registered dietitian in college while I was binging for a, a few uh, sessions, and she was kind of like a therapist to me. Mm-hmm. Like she kind of, she clearly knew. I didn't come out and say like I'm binging, but like she knew mm-hmm. the same way that I'm like my mom knew. Yeah. No, I <laughs> um, she knew and like she was very like, it's okay to eat the chicken fingers. Like 
she kind of gave me a little push in the direction that I needed to be in. But yeah, if I could go back and do it all over again, I wish that I had done it through therapy. I think it would have been really helpful. But there was not like a day that I just snapped and like was better. But see, it's possible it. even for people who feel like, oh, therapy's too expensive, whatever. I think it is yeah. inspiring. But also what I'm hearing is like environment is really powerful. Huge. Because obviously – in no other world other than a pandemic would you have been able to just, like, right. step out of your sorority. And that's college. what I was trying to say with, like, people I cut out of my life. Like, there were girls that would like, come into my room in college and talk about F-Factor. Like, here's what I did. I would lock myself in my room and, like, put in headphones and tune them out and, like, not even say hi or bye to them. I'm just like, I can't deal with you. Good like, I'm working you. on myself. I, I'm, so, like, nothing against you, obviously. Like, I don't have the mental capacity to, like, handle – like, process that and handle that while, like, I'm trying to work through my own shit that I know is not good. Good for you. Talk about boundaries. Yeah. So, I guess, like, there we go. You did have boundaries with friends. You're right. I had boundaries (laughs) with friends, not with family or relationships. (laughs) But it all worked out. It all worked out. And, yeah, I do think that, like, in this moment, I'm the most healed, recovered I've ever been. But I'm also, like, constantly healing and recovering. Um, And, like – even there have been points in the past where I thought I was like so great, and then I look back and I'm like, mm, I was taking seven mile walks a day. Like, just wait <laughs> no, till you get in therapy. <laughs> you feel like I was not Mind now on even more healed. Okay, so it led to cookie coffee time, though. Yes, which I would love to talk about. Yeah. I feel I love. I know you didn't. You're done with the podcast, but I love that you tied it into your TikTok, the podcast, all of it, mm-hmm. and knowing that it's rooted in something that was so like integral to your recovery your journey all of it your mom like I think it's so special not just like a branded no definitely whatever Um, thing but I wanted to ask you I feel like a lot of people now feel like they need to be vulnerable online to for lack of a better term blow up or just like gain a following like you Mm -hmm. have to be vulnerable you have to trauma dump online and like I want to ask your advice for people who (laughs) not those people yeah but the people who almost don't want to come off that way, but genuinely are like have a message and looking to connect online. They might have the message like yours that's like really sacred to them and they don't want to feel like they're exploiting it. Like, yeah. how are you able to kind of do it in an authentic and genuine way online for anyone who's like, I have something really close to my heart that I want to yeah. talk about. How do I do it? I mean, honestly, I think that like just the fact that you have good intentions is like will translate online. I think it's very easy and very clear to tell inauthentic people online from people who genuinely want to help other people and for me with cookie coffee time like when I first started it I didn't say like I'm having a cookie and coffee and here's why you know it was more so like I started just like sharing the practice and other people came to me saying like I used to never eat cookies midday but like you've inspired me and like it almost like has its purpose without blatantly saying like this is what it's meant to do. But I think like I'll just use you as an example. <laughs> like if you it. want to use your vulnerability to connect with people online, you're gonna your message is gonna come across very different from someone who wants to be vulnerable to blow up. Totally. Like you can tell a phony. Agreed. You know? But if you're if you genuinely want to help people, which like, hello, what are we doing right here? <laughs> <Dare> <laughs> self-care. Like if you genuinely want to help people, I don't think you using your personal experience will ever come off as exploiting it. Like it's yeah. your story to tell. It's your experience 
It's your vulnerability. And at the end of the day, you're choosing to use it for a better, better and bigger purpose. And I think the more comfortable you are, the more it's going to translate. So like if we continue to use me as an example, like I am more comfortable and vulnerable and myself on a podcast. Me too. Or you too. Totally. There is a nature to podcasting where you feel like you're alone in a room. I and like so comfortable. Yeah. I said in the beginning, I was like, I'll just spill all the tea. Exactly. <laughs> or like you just know like, oh, the old people in my life are not going to be listening and they're not going to be listening 50 minutes Wait, in. Wait, can I tell you something crazy yeah. actually? So you're that like, was- Now that we're 50 minutes <laughs> in. Right. So that was my exact- perspective I'm like my parents are never gonna hear this podcast or like my mom will but like not my dad and my mom knows everything about me and I guess now my dad does too <laughs> like my dad I really just want to like protect him at all costs yeah. like I don't want him to know everything that's wrong with but me your mom gets and, it she's a right. woman <laughs> and uh, my dad is like even though he comes across very like stoic and hard whatever he's a sensitive little angel Aww. and uh, love you dad if you're watching this <laughs> so I did a podcast with Carolina where I like shared a lot of similar content right as I am on this podcast thinking my dad would never see it I guess one night he like couldn't sleep and he googles me and the podcast comes up and he watches the entire thing where I'm like spilling all the beans about like people pleasing for my parents and like this is what they said in the blah 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 and he (laughs) and he is like he calls me one night he's like I watched your podcast last night about people pleasing and like it was so good. Aww. I was like, I didn't know I needed that. Like, healed me. That's like, also like permission to speak about it. Exactly. Online. So, hi, Dad, if you're watching this. Um, but, yeah, I feel like TikTok and Instagram and stuff, like, anyone could see it. But, like, podcast is so much more, like, you have to look for it mm-hmm. that – Hopefully no one <laughs> I don't want to see this will see it. It's also like what's your style of speaking and sharing in general? Like if you're someone who loves to just be super choppy or do your makeup and do something while you're sharing and that makes you comfortable. Like figure out what kind of like Scout Sobel, for example, she's on yeah. OK Sis. Love her. She loves writing. So she is most like her most authentic self when she's writing her beautiful long Instagram captions and that's kind of how you started too so it's like figure out your medium first that works for you rather than like everyone else 100% and I feel like that will help your message come across better because you're comfortable definitely and it's actually funny you say that because so like we said I started with like long Instagram captions writing was my thing and that's why I was so late to TikTok is because I was so comfortable in writing and like when you write you can backspace you can delete like you can edit until it comes out exactly the way you want it but when you're talking even though you can re-record obviously like you are live and I don't get a chance to edit in my head before I say something like it's very even right now I'm kind of having like a mind fuck of like "Mm -hmm, I'm talking on the spot like um, like when you really think about it it messes with you you're like wait now I lost the train of thought we're doing this so that's why I was so late to TikTok because I was like, I don't know how to talk as eloquently as I write. Like, I don't know if I'll be able to yeah. communicate the message in the same way. So I was just so scared to do it. But you also did it in a place where you were comfortable during cook- yeah. cookie coffee time. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the message here is figure out where you're comfortable first. Because I remember I spoke to you when we had coffee. Mm-hmm. And I could literally talk to you all day. But I know. <laughs> um, I remember saying to you over coffee, like, I have this thing that I want to share, whatever. 
But it's like, I already am so open on YouTube and podcasts. Like, I don't have to share it on every single fucking platform. Totally. Like, it's okay. And it's okay to, like, protect your peace a little bit. Like, if you want one platform to just be for fun, like, have fun. Yeah. You know? I, I think there's a lot of pressure these days to, like, be so serious. Like, when the time Care comes it all. to be so serious. And it's like, I come on this silly little app to escape. And I know that that's a privileged take. But, like, sometimes you really do need to protect your peace. You're right. And, like, you don't know what I'm doing offline, you know? Yeah. Like. And, like, as much as people want to connect with you and have you be open and authentic, like, for me, there's a lot of things that have affected my life that are not my story to tell. Totally. At all. So it's, like, you don't have to bear it all. Like you're saying, protect your peace. Maybe you're, you just love beauty. Right. You don't have to. You don't have to share your trauma. You don't like have to. Maybe you share have trauma, trauma, but if you want to come on here and talk about your lipsticks, do that. If you want to trauma dump while you do your eyeshadow because it makes you it. feel good, great. <laughs> yeah. Don't do it just because. Like, yeah, I feel like there's a lot to. of pressure on social media right now where, like, oversharing is king. Right. Well, because everyone wants to feel relatable, and it's almost like people that aren't relatable are, like, looked down upon because you're like, oh, you're so perfect. You would never understand what we're struggling with. But so they feel like they have to share. Share like how you farted in a workout. Right. Like you don't have to. You don't totally. always have to no. trauma dump 100%. to be relatable and yourself and authentic. So that's something I like worked through. Because I was like, I feel like I should be sharing more of this online. And then I was like, you're doing enough. Like you said, you were just like, hello, why are we here? And like, it all goes back to boundary <laughs> setting. Like totally. Like I also get this gut feeling when I film something of like, oh, I actually don't want to talk about that online or I get an excited feeling and I think it's important to kind of like listen to that too. Do you ever like film something and you're like, wait, that doesn't even feel good to post or like you post it and you're like, why did I do that? Yeah. Oh my God. Was it just for views? Yeah. The amount of things that I have like switched from public to private, like only me. Yeah. I'm like, why did I post that? Yeah. I don't Um, want the world to know. (laughs) And like, yeah. Agreed. Okay. Let's go into ending segment. I could. I feel like we need to do a whole separate social media episode. Okay, and like corporate girl episode, Down. you'll be back. Invite me back and I'm here. <laughs> okay, top self-care tip. Ooh, um, s- like get a sleep routine. Mm. Literally like prioritize your sleep above all else the same way that you would schedule a workout, like schedule your bedtime. Totally. <laughs> That's my number one. Every time I like battle with should I stay up and do the thing that like I've been needing to do Yeah. or do I go to sleep, it's like. If you just sleep now, you can get it right. in the morning exactly. with a fresh head. Yep. <laughs> Favorite book? Oh, um, I just – I read recently Lessons in Chemistry, which I loved. I love fluffy books. Like, that's the genre that my mom and I – we call them fluffy books. They're, like, silly romance novels. But Lessons in Chemistry, I felt like, was a perfect balance of fluffy and also, like, had a deeper message slash, slash plot than that's just, like, like – Yeah. Like, it ends with us, Colleen Hoover. Yeah. Like, it's – it's a Colleen Hoover book, but, right. like, you take something from it. Yeah. The – what I'm reading right now is a Christina Lauren book, um, The Love, the True Love Experiment. That's good, too. Okay. Good. Because this is, like, my genre. I'm reading um, – Oh, I have so many recommendations. Then. Love in Other Words right now. Oh, good. Everyone's like, that's my all-time yeah. favorite. There's so many good ones. Okay. Wellness product you can't live without right now. Mm. Um, oh, my Dr. Dennis Gross red light mask. 
I love Helen. it. I got it on Flip. Remember Flip blew up yes. for like five seconds? <gasps> I got like genius. $200 off. It's so good. Wait, I love genius. It. I should yeah. have done that. Well, did you get anything from Flip yet? Yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> a lot. Remember when I blew like, up for literally five seconds? Yeah. <laughs> I did. I got, but I got, I like restocked on like my mm. say slip tint and yeah, things like that. Yeah. Like I, but I used it, I put all, all of it towards the red light mask. Do you use it every night? Every or? night. And do you feel a difference or is it just a fun little self-care thing? So TBD, at first, I really, my skin was flawless. Really? Like, it was glowing, felt amazing. But now well, We have cycles too. Yeah, I'm dealing fun. with some situations. So who knows, but I, I enjoy it. I feel like it's just a fun self-care thing. It's, it's really fun. Okay. Yeah. I think I need to get one. I we use a red um, light bulb from Amazon for $2.50 in our lamp. There you go. And our room is red every single night. Love that. I love it. Okay, where can everyone find you? Cookie coffee time, everything. Um, At The Daily Schwitz on TikTok and Instagram. Schwitz is not my last name <laughs> for anyone wondering, but it's S-C-H-V-I-T-Z. And, yeah, I think that's everything. Okay. Thanks for coming. Yay, thank you for having me. This is so fun. She'll be back. Amazing. <laughs>